0: when i began to shift that way of thinking just any th- any means necessary i the goal you know the goal is the goal is to get rigged to greenland any means necessary make it happen and from that i began to see opportunities
1: What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. As I'm sure you can hear, I have a little bit of a cold right now, so you get to hear my extra sexy voice. Um, today's episode is going to be a little bit different from a usual episode. In it, I interview a really good friend of mine, Dave Irwin, who is just one of the most interesting and smart guys I have ever met. He has an architecture background, but rather than doing design and typical architecture stuff, Dave decided to take that background and do something really, really ambitious, which is kind of change the way that homes are built and the foundation of those homes to protect against catastrophic flood loss in the event of a flood. So I'll let him kind of go over all of that during the interview. It's it's so fascinating and so awesome and ambitious what he's trying to do and would be absolutely world-changing if it works the way that it looks like it's going to work. But in order to test this out, Dave now has a... Um, a a small-scale, like full-size prototype of of this product that he's making. And he is getting back by the National Science Foundation to go to Greenland and work on this research station in Greenland on the top of a um, glacier, which is the fastest-moving glacier in the world. And it melts a ton, obviously, during the summertime. And the wind speeds are crazy high, and the temperatures are crazy low. And he kind of felt that, look, if this thing can... Um, adapt as a housing foundation on top of this constantly moving glacier, then obviously it will be able to adapt as a housing foundation with a flood. So, anyways, Dave will go over what he's going to be doing. And he leaves here in a couple months to do this trip to Greenland, and he needs a little bit of help with uh, the trip over there and so some like, quote-unquote living expenses for just food and stuff like that while he's living on top of this glacier. So he just started a GoFundMe page, and I really wanted him to talk about it on the show because I think what Dave's trying to do is just such a beautiful, noble cause and um And if any of you guys would like to to pitch in and help out with Dave's cause at the end, he'll explain where you can find his GoFundMe page. And obviously, I have put a link to that on the half hour intern website as well. So without further ado, here is Dave explaining his project and company rig. Dave, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. I'm so excited uh, for you to be able to tell all the listeners about what you're doing and your trip to Greenland and everything like every time that you talk about rig with me, I am like so fascinated by the fact that you could even come up with this, that it's something that you're trying to do. It's like truly amazing to me. So before we talk about the whole Greenland piece, if you could just tell us what exactly rig is and what it is that you you hope to do.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very simple. Um, so what rig is, is it's a new type of foundation that you build your home on top of. So you know whether you're in a, a tall building right now, or you're in a, a say a you know a small home on the coast or a cabin. There's a way that they uh, they, being the builders, the architects, whatever, built the thing, right? So you have to you have to contend with uh, the soil. You have to contend with a lot of different stuff when you figure out what kind of foundation you're using. And I came up with a foundation that we're going to be launching very soon. That allows your home to ride out storms, and specifically, water that comes in from the storms. So, like a major storm, like a a flood, right, would be what what we'd be talking about? Exactly, exactly. So, I'll give you a a really good example. So, during Hurricane Sandy, my hometown of Lindenhurst, Long Island, was one of the worst hit towns uh, from the whole entire storm. The National Guard was called in, you had to ask for permission from them to to go into the uh, the southern part of town. And that southern part of town had my uncle's house in it. My uncle's house was completely decimated. And if Rig was under his home, what would have happened was it wouldn't have fallen apart. It wouldn't have been structurally damaged. It wouldn't have become this big soggy mess uh, as his home and many, many, many thousands of other people, um, you know, had happened uh, to their home so you know I, I suppose you can say that uh the upside of it would be that your home is in place you know the home that you've created for years and years and years uh it, everything's going to be in place right um and uh for in from the insurance standpoint they love that too they want your home to stay put right because at the end of the day they don't want to have to pay out money to fix your home for you yeah
1: no doubt well what were the stats you were talking about with sandy like Something like for every dollar fifty that the insurance companies collected, they paid out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so for my research, for every dollar that was paid out from the person that owned the home and they paid their insurance company, a dollar thirteen of damage happened. And when you start getting into the billions of dollars yeah, being exactly paid out, yeah, you'd say that's that ratio, like, oh, thirteen cents, whatever. That but ratio can get kinda of gnarly. Yeah. And um
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's hard on an
0: insurance company,
1: and that's hard, hard. Obviously, I mean, much worse for the homeowner than the insurance company. Like for someone like your uncle that lost his entire home, that's horrible. That's just absolutely horrible. So I know we can't go into much at this point of like how it works and stuff like that because of the the stage in the game that you're in. But it, suffice to say, it's like a dynamic a dynamic thing that your house is sitting on top of. So it'll it, it's like computer assisted and can move in different areas in different ways
0: yeah so essentially what we're doing is is we're simply taking a taking a foundation and we're not using concrete we're using some some high strength plastics and we're putting some robots under there right and and what that's able to do is to essentially act like a, a segue under your home so
1: when, like you were saying during a during a flood it's not so much exactly that the that the water comes into the home, which will obviously happen as well, but it's more that the water goes underneath the home and starts kind of eating away at the foundation. Yeah, yeah. So it. to
0: clarify what I just said about the whole Segway thing, people are probably like, you know, well, okay, great, you're putting a Segway under the home. <laughs> are we going to see uh, people in clubs rolling around on, on one of these things or something? Right? Um, no. So, so the you know when you have the the water come in, what happens is the soil begins to degrade. So you know everybody's built a sandcastle on the beach, right? So what happens when the water comes in? It Hits your sandcastle, and the sandcastle begins to collapse. So when you have water uh, come into different uh, different neighborhoods, what happens is it saturates the soil, and the soil begins to get muddy and swampy. And when you're building something that's static, like a big honkin' concrete foundation, it can be compromised. And, and it's it just going to sink shift, into And the... it begins to sink, in, exactly, and exactly, and shift below. So that's what we're doing. We, you know, the, the foundation itself... Is something that actually just kind of uh, kind of came about as a circumstance of like, oh, okay, well, this is the, I have to come up with a new way to build, and what that came from was my thesis project in architecture school. So I studied architecture. You know, uh, let's see, I started in 2006, at Pratt Institute in New York. Shout out to Brooklyn <laughs> and. uh you know, for my thesis project, I so you know five-year program, fifth year you get to do your thesis, and the big thing is okay now it's your time to do whatever you want, and your professors act more as consultants than uh, the ones telling you okay you're going to be designing a library this semester, or you're going to be designing you know a hotel or a high rise or a swimming pool and whatnot. So you come up with your own thing that you want to design, and I grew up in New York. I grew up on Long Island. And uh, always by the beach. My dad's a fisherman, and all my friends surfed, and you know, always, always on the beach. So being outside is a huge part of me, and that was something that I really wanted to uh, kind of, uh, kind of bring out, and and something I just wanted to spend time thinking about my thesis year. So, um, so anyway, so I wound up designing a, a, a research camp in a really crazy place called Greenland, some of the worst. Uh, uh, I say worse, but, you know, most extreme temperatures. Greenland's Um, basically just like a giant-ass glacier, right? uh, No, it's not a giant glacier, but uh, it's a huge chunk of ice, right? So over 80% of the entire landmass of Greenland is covered in ice, and that ice on average is two miles thick. So kind of crazy. Two miles thick. Two miles thick. That's absolutely Two miles thick, yeah. So You tell me how that's not a glacier, Dave. (laughs) I will tell you how it's not a glacier. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in one second. But just to, just to go back to where rig came from. So when you're building on top of ice and the ice is melting as it is uh, for our first customer with rig, they're on the west coast of Greenland, where you know where they're experiencing some really intense melt. Um, you have to come up with something for okay how how can they ride out this melt? How can these researchers that are doing some of the most important work on our planet right now uh how how can we make it so that they can keep doing their work and not worry about repairing their structure right so they're studying the fastest moving glacier on the planet it's called the Jakobshavn shavin East Uh eastbrae i believe is uh greenlandic for 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 glacier and moves 30 meters a day crazy stuff they're also checking out other wow. stuff too but these guys are the doctors of the earth right they're they're they're, they're checking the pulse constantly checking the pulse and reporting it to everybody. And when I was doing my thesis, I, you know, I went actually went on a fantastic road trip uh, halfway through the year. I wasn't sure one, what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do something with camping, something outside. And uh, I went on a beautiful road trip with my friends. We went to Denver, Colorado. Uh, I went to Aspen, snowboarding. We then, you know, went down to New Orleans, Miami. Um, all the while, driving in a 1993 Chevy Caprice Classic, tinted out windows, uh, hundreds of pounds of snowboarding gear in the back. It was really interesting. Uh, straight up college style. Interesting uh, interesting mobile, absolute college style. And um, yeah, came back from that road trip and, and just started digging a little bit more. And uh, that's when I, I found out about what's going on in Greenland with these researchers. And uh, I, I wound up shooting an email over and saying, hey, I see you guys have a problem let me let me start figuring out a way that I can redesign a camp for you guys that works. That is crazy, man. So
1: you start working with all these different materials. It, like how how long, I guess, of a process is it to develop something like this?
0: Well, I, I'm sure it's different for everybody, um, but for me, it's been over five years now. So my thesis began in 2010. 2011 is when I kind of officially finished the first leg of the project. And um, the project itself is something that includes uh, pop-up shelters and um, uh, uh, greenhouse components. And the idea was really to make uh, the be-all end-all for creating sustainable living that's completely off the grid. And, you know, when you're in a place like Greenland, it's extremely remote. As one can imagine, you don't have power lines you can tap and do and stuff like that. So already, it needs to be self-sufficient. And what's really exciting is the fact that I'm going to be going to Greenland in May to test our first prototype with our first customer. So it's basically a a smaller version of the complete camp redesign. We're going to test that, test all the materials, and make sure that it works in negative... 80 degree Fahrenheit temperatures and get up to 150 mile an hour winds, test it there and then apply that same way of building to homes that are on the coast.
1: How many, first of all, it's so great that you were able to go and test in like the most extreme conditions possible to then obviously withstand something much less like it's like if it's proven to work in Greenland, obviously it's freaking going to work anywhere. You know, like it doesn't get any more extreme than that. The second thing that's so wonderful to me is that your inspiration for doing this to begin with is now like who you're going to go and like where you're going to go to test this out. That's so cool. Like if somebody was inspired to make a new type of shoe because of how much they love LeBron James. The odds that LeBron James was going to be the first person to ever wear the shoe is probably pretty slim. You know, it's like it's probably just a whole bunch of their friends wearing these shoes. It's incredible. The the inspiration behind this thing, you're now frickin going there and using it there. It's this beautiful, like full circle thing. So how do you prepare for something like that? Like living three weeks on the ice with crazy temperatures and crazy wind gusts. Like what, what has your preparation been like?
0: Well, the the preparation has been, it's been interesting, right? Because I've gone camping before and these different things. I never, you know, I'm not a mountaineer. Uh, I don't go on these crazy expeditions uh, to really cold places and to, to places where the environment is absolutely king. Yeah, and you're simply a visitor there,
1: and you're about you're like about to be that guy. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, so what I've done is I've, I've said, okay, well, there's some companies that have created. Uh, They've created tents, they've created backpacks, they've created shoes, they've created these different products that are designed to protect you in these elements, right? So I've reached out to a lot of these different companies, and I've been really, really fortunate in that I tell them about what's going on uh, with RIG and Greenland and the product testing, and... You know, I've had a couple companies, you know, first time I talked to them, they say, great, we'll sponsor that. Great. We want to send you product. It's been really inspiring seeing these different companies that are extremely well established say, wow, that's great. Let's get on board. Uh, How many do you need? Like that, that's been really, really inspiring. Yeah. And And that's just so nice for
1: your, for your self-esteem and psyche when you're in like a startup mode, you know, and trying to get your own thing going on to explain what you're doing to somebody. And, when, and they have to put their money behind it. And they're like, I get that. Like, that sounds good to me. And it's it's so reaffirming to not be like, all right, I'm not a crazy person. Like, this sounds good to somebody else, too. This is great. Absolutely. So talk to us about the, the prep component for going to Greenland for RIG itself. Obviously, before this, you made different models, different computer models, different prototypes, but much smaller in scale. You You obviously need quite a a larger scale prototype to be able to bring to Greenland for you to make your residence to then to then sleep on top of to be your own foundation. How did you how did you get this made? And and who made this for you? And did did you pay for it or was it another sponsor type thing? I mean, it's not like you're like Bruce Wayne over here. You're not some like independently wealthy person. Just Yeah.
0: Um I've been extremely, extremely fortunate in being able to meet people that that have gotten behind this, that believe in it as much as I do, right? So you know, being able to understand it myself and to move forward every day and keep making headway, that's the easy part. The easy part is doing it yourself, right? But um, when I realized, okay, I need to, I need to go to the next level. I need to get a full scale prototype started. Um, I had to really take my ego, throw it out the window and and talk to people and say listen this is where i'm at i just moved here from new york i'm doing this full-time now there's no other option but to make this work and to have it go um can you help me with this part and you know for another component can you help me with this part what do you think about this part and it's been a really amazing lesson in in being a little bit quieter being a little bit more patient um and not not really not not basically letting go of everything that I knew of before. And 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 when I say that, I, I mean that, you know, different ways I approach things, right? So, um, for instance, the Terra Projects, which is my design firm. With the Terra Projects, I'm doing website design now. I'm doing app design. I'm designing products. I'm doing all these different things. And when I'm out here doing that stuff, if I came out here with the mentality of, I am an architect. I am only going to do buildings. I am only going to do maybe a a chair or a product or something like that i would i would i wouldn 't be able to sustain myself yeah, and I, very quickly i 'd be starving and that 's not to say that um, you know people don 't focus on those things and completely thrive but in 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 making the move out here and having that shift geographically mentally, I had to shift my thought process and say okay what 's the goal? The goal is to get my ass to Greenland to test this product I need to do it there and I want to grow it from there right but I need to get my ass to Greenland so anything and everything I can get my hands on great I'm fluent in design that's what I'm fluent in and and from that when I began to shift that way of thinking just any any means necessary I the goal you know the goal is the goal is to get rigged to Greenland any means necessary make it happen and from that I began to see opportunities emerge and in that same token it's just being honest with people and being extremely uh just not being afraid to share your passion with what you care your passion with people um for what you care about yeah and you know i have so many friends that it's contagious when you know when i'm having a day where i'm kind of bumming around or something and i talk to them and they're super amped on something it's contagious and you know the better headspace that i'm in we were talking about this before uh you know the better head headspace that i'm in and i'm just amped about something it's so much easier when you then have a conversation with somebody to to show them the bigger picture that you see yeah right it's, it's and it's it's not it's not being a salesman and trying to uh oh let me how you know how can i wheel and deal and how can i how can i get this person to get on board complete opposite you got to be on board yourself yeah truly 100% from the, you know, from the deepest part of your soul, you're on board. Now it's how can you begin to share that vision with other people, right? So it's, it's, it's been a really incredible learning experience, you know, having to go through that and fall on my face, flat on my (laughs) face, get back up and be like, all right, well, that didn't work. So what's, you know, what's the next way to do it?
1: And what you're doing is just so incredible and so ambitious. I mean, we're, we're in kind of the hub of startups. So everyone that you talk to works for some startup of some kind, or they themselves are creating a startup. The huge difference with you is in in this, this life process that you're now having to go through because of it. And this huge learning phase that you're in, in your life is all these other people for the most part are making apps or something digital in some way. So the whole entire part of, okay, we need to bring this thing to fruition well, the only thing that you need to bring it to fruition is more manpower. So you yourself can just keep on working on it more and, more and more and more and more and more and it just takes some of your time and that's it. To To do something, the scale of what you're doing and that needs that needs actual people helping along, that needs people with these advanced plastics that you're using, that need people with these robotics and whatever it is that goes into rig, that uh, that's just got to be such an amazing an amazing way to grow to kind of like, like you said, have to rely on other people a little bit and try to get other people to really believe in your vision. Because without that, it, it
0: cannot take another step forward. I've been really fortunate recently. uh, Terry Winograd has come on board as an advisor. Uh, So Terry Winograd, he's an amazingly intelligent individual. He's a professor at Stanford. He, was around at Stanford when Larry Page was there figuring stuff out for what he wanted to do with this thing called Google. And, you know, one of the things that that Terry said to me was, hey, this isn't an app and it's kind of refreshing. And that in no way takes anything away from creating apps. I use apps every single day on my phone. My life would be, you know, it, it wouldn't be, um I don't know. I want to use the word seamless without them. It's nice to use Google, you know, use Google to get around. It's nice to be able to use Instagram and share photos with friends and stuff like that. So apps are super rad, but I think what he was uh, the point that you know, he was kind of touching on is that in Silicon Valley and in in San Francisco and frankly throughout the entire planet, a lot of startup companies are are creating products, which is great. A lot of people are creating products but the products are are products that will make money. And then they will they'll help make life easier for people, right? So the order of those two things is really important. And you know, and and again, I'm I use products every day that are just they're they're just they're rad products. I like them. It's like my uh my my case on my phone, my life proof case. It's completely waterproof, shockproof, everything. This thing is amazing. Like is it it's it's not um, completely redefining what it is to make a case, but it is so, it's so helpful. But I, you know, I I was in a fortunate position that when I had my uncle as a mentor in high school and he kept asking me, Dave, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And he said, oh, there's an art school in Brooklyn that you can study architecture at. I was like, what? Like, that sounds super rad. Let me do that. So, and again, the beginnings of rig starting in school. And everything going on in Greenland, starting in school. It started from my heart and things that I wanted to do. And from that, I realized, okay, to well. To use your architecture and engineering background
1: to not just design something, but to actually like help people out and to make some
0: sort of dent in the world in some way. Yeah. And and you know, selfishly it started off. I want to do something with camping. I want to do something outside. I want to do something that connects people to the outdoors because when I'm outside, I love it. I love it, and it's a lot of fun, and I want to spend my thesis year working on something that's fun, that I really like, Yeah, and that's where everything came about with redesigning Swiss camp on the west coast of Greenland, realizing their conditions were complete shit. They're funded by both NASA and the National Science Foundation, and every two years, if you visit their website, uh, we could put a, a can we put a, link? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll put a link to our website, um, they have photographs of their camp and... Every two years, it collapses because of the ice melt. The way that they're building just doesn't work. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's almost more of a documentation of this is where our camp is at. If you zoom out from that, the fact is this. Every two years they go there, their camp is completely dismantled because of the environment. And they have to rebuild it. Right? These are the guys that are studying the world's fastest moving glacier on the entire planet. Right? You had a camp very similar to theirs in, I believe it was 1984 in Antarctica. So now we're going down south. They discovered the hole in the ozone layer, right? Ever since that discovery, the way that we view ourselves in our natural environment has completely changed. The way that we create products and put them into the world has completely changed, right? So for instance, like aerosols and, and uh, certain types of uh, 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 manufacturing processes, it was releasing these horrible gases in, into the, the atmosphere that was destroying the ozone. That was a huge gut check for everybody. And you know, legislation began to be passed banning these things. And that was all from a discovery with a bunch of researchers in a really cold, desolate place. So you know their work cannot be uh, cannot be underscored uh, you know enough. Whether you are on, you know to the far right, the far left, wherever you are, the fact of the matter is they are in a position in their lives that they are focusing intensely, intensely on really huge stuff that affects all of us. If we can make their day a little bit easier, fantastic. If we can give them three more hours every day to keep doing their work, fantastic. And you see photos and videos of people
1: like your uncle, people after Hurricane Katrina specifically, like up on their roofs and stuff like that. And yeah, certainly if you could help any of those people as well, there's like no more noble a cause. It's awesome,
0: and you know there's cultures that have been doing this since the beginning of time, right? So if you if you look at uh, the Egyptians, for instance, right, the Egyptians had a huge river running through their settlement. It was, it's called the Nile River, and what's great about the Nile River is it has all this nutrients in it, right? So they they saw this river and they're like, oh wow, there's all this nutrients, okay what do we do? Well, maybe we can plant some crops on the side of the river. Let's do that. So they plant the crops on the side of the river and of course the Nile floods and it floods annually. They know when it's going to flood. It floods all the crops with this nutrient rich water and the crops begin to flourish and they go, oh wow, these crops are flourishing. We have so many crops. What do we do with all these crops now? And they say, well, maybe we sell them to our neighbors. Let's sell them to our neighbors. They sell them to their neighbors and they're like, okay, wow, now we have we have some some capital, so w- so we can build homes and we can build all this other stuff, and now we can create a we can create an entire thriving uh, uh, system, right? an entire civilization, and that relationship with nature is so beautiful, and that is something that we can easily replicate again and again and again. They did that thousands of years ago to try and adapt to nature and not just have nature making you its bitch. Nature, exactly. Like, look at the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon is a great example. How was that formed? It was formed by water over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, right? But you look at it, and the power of water is so powerful, right? So it, it, if you're able to, in some way, make that that energy, that natural energy work for you. Yeah, to acquiesce and, to the water and not just go head-to-head head head up against it. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know... The, the name of the game is is how can you adapt with change? Change is a constant; it's not going anywhere. Nature understands that, and the name of the game really is to be able to adapt with change that is happening, not to have a huge debate about it or a conversation about it or uh, begin to you know draw lines in the sand. Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? No look at the facts, look at, look at, look at the data, you know, I don't even, I might even say look at the facts, right, because people say, oh, well, that's a fact, that's not a fact, just look at the data, just look at it, you know, from, from what some of these researchers are doing uh, that are, that are looking at climate change, and begin to make your own decisions of how uh, you would like to, you know, contribute to it or acknowledge it in some way, I I think that that would be a a huge thing for, uh, for everybody, if, if in some small way, you can, um, you can contribute to it, and and when I say that i'm I, I, a huge benefit of that is is to feel like you are are part of the bigger picture, right I mean what's better than to feel like you're part of a community and you know if we're, if we all can work together and have a, a more seamless relationship with nature, you know I think that we're we're going to begin to 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 live in a, a time that everybody has the ability to have um, deeper connections with themselves as well. Yeah.
1: Awesome, man. So Dave, let's try to talk about how people can have a more seamless relationship with you. (laughs) So as we said, you're not some like independently wealthy person. And I know you've been kind of at this point in the game, actually trying to hold off on taking a bunch of money from investors, which I think is really noble until you know exactly what. So that's kind of part of the point of this trip to Greenland is to you know, where the rubber meets the road, and then you come back with actual data, per se, to give to investors and stuff. Um, so you're just relying on, uh, A, donations from the companies to help out, donations from things like the National Science Foundation to, to get stuff out there, but you're also going to need some more money to to help get you out there and to make, to make this place livable for you. So where can people go if they want to, uh, if this all sounds cool to them and they want to help out in some way?
0: Absolutely. So, if you go to buildeverywhere dot com, uh, that's the website for Riggs. You'll be able to get all my contact information. My email is Dave at buildeverywhere dot com. We'll put links to all this on the half hour interim page if you just want to check that out. Yeah, I'm uh, there's, and you're making a uh, a GoFundMe. So there's a GoFundMe that's going to be going live as well. So that is GoFundMe dot com slash Greenland or Bust. And that what you say going
1: live, but by the time this airs, that will already be live. So people can go and, uh, and check that out. And if they want to help you out in some way, they can. And I know you have fun little like levels for people like you'll be sending people postcards and stuff if they, uh, oh, absolutely. If they donate to you in any way. So you'll be in touch with people that, that give any amount of money to you. So that's really cool, man.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. So I'm offering a couple different things. Uh, the first is I'd love to be able to send you a postcard from Greenland um, so you can get one of those. You can also have your name on the actual prototype itself that's going to be on the ice in Greenland. And I'll photograph that and, and send that over to you. And, um, yeah, those are some different ways you can get involved with the project. And anybody, again, anybody who's interested in talking, Dave at build everywherecom I would love to have a conversation with you.
1: Awesome. Dave, we wish you the best of luck. We're going to have you back on the show when you get back so you can tell us about how freaking crazy it is to live in Greenland for three weeks. That's going to be insane, man. I'd love wait. to. Thank you so much, Blake. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Later, brother. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Again, there will be a link to Dave's GoFundMe page on the Half Hour Intern website. So if you go to halfhourintern.com and click on careers, and you'll see the blog post for Dave's episode there, you can go ahead and scroll down and click on the link to his GoFundMe page if you want to pitch in. And just want to let you guys know that I'm going to be having Dave back on the show in a few months so he can tell us all about what the heck it is like living on a moving glacier for almost a month and uh and he'll give us any updates on the project and let us know how rig worked in greenland so thanks so much for listening take care